Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for that promise that we just sang about. We, we thank you that when we feel alone, we, we can remember that you will not forsake us. Not for a moment would you forsake us. And, and, and Lord, I, I feel like this morning that, um, that you want to do something here in our hearts. You want to do something within us. And so, Lord, as we shift from a time of singing to a time of studying your word, I just ask that you would, um, as we sang earlier, that you would break through, that you would break through the dark in our lives, you would break through the confusion, you would break through the timidity that's within us, uh, the weaknesses that we have, and that you would speak. We need to hear from you this morning. Uh, it's not about anything that I can offer, anything that the, the worship team can prepare. Um, it's about hearing from you. Speak to us, O oh God. Amen. Well, we are in week three of our series on Joshua. Um, Joshua, be strong is the name of it. And uh, today we're actually going to talk about that theme of being strong. And a lot of times what we'll do when we do a series on a particular book of the Bible is we will just go through and we will pick out the best passages within it, the easiest ones to preach on, and we will put them together in somewhat of a chronological manner in which we proceed from one thing to the next. And for the first couple of weeks of this, uh, we did that. And then next week, we're going to actually going to end at the end of the book of Joshua. But this week, we're going to kind of cover the full spectrum. We're going to look at it more from a thematic point of view rather than a chronological point of view. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you, if you can see, we're missing light bulbs. So I apologize for that. Um, we don't intentionally want to have it this dark in here. But if you have your Bibles and can actually see them and want to follow along, we encourage you to do that. You also have these scriptures in your message notes if you picked up a bulletin this morning. And also, they will be on the screen behind me this morning. But we're going to go through and we're going to look at some of the more memorable scenes from the book of Joshua. And to start off with, kind of to frame where we're going today, we're going to look at the very first chapter. The very first chapter of Joshua, there are some very famous verses. If you've been around... Uh, in the Christian world or the Jewish world for a while, you may have heard these phrases before. And we're going to pick up in chapter 1, verse 5. And we're only going to read a few verses, and then we'll, we'll jump right into the rest of the book. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, this is God talking to Joshua. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And then jumping ahead to verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. As I was reading through these verses this past week, I was reminded of an experience I had in Brazil several years ago. And I was leading a college mission team, kind of like our youth and some of our adults go to Tijuana, Mexico. The uh, organization I worked with at the time 
we sent mission trips to various different countries around the world um, during spring break or uh, over the summer. And I was leading a college group to Brazil, and we were working with this church in Sao Paulo. And we, we worked pretty extensively with them, and most of the work we did was within this congregation. Well, this congregation was extremely hospitable, and they would always cook these really extravagant meals. It was in a very poor, pitiful part of town, one of the most dangerous parts of Sao Paulo. But out of the goodness of their heart, they wanted to just cook a spread for us every single time we had a meal. And so we were there, and, and night after night, they were just putting it all out. And if you've ever had good Brazilian food, you know what I'm talking about. We're talking really good meats, fresh off the grill. We're talking about rice and beans that even if you don't like rice and beans, you will like these rice and beans. It was absolutely wonderful. And we were just soaking up the experience. And, and at the end of the week, we, we went to them and we said, you have been so hospitable. You have done so many wonderful things for us. You have made so many wonderful meals. You have made us feel like a part of your family here in this church. We want to give something back to you. And, and they said, oh, you don't have to give anything back to us. Just you being here is enough for us. And we're like, no, no, we, we insist. We're going to cook the last night for you. And we're going to do it the way we would do a home-style meal where we come from. So we got ready to have fried chicken. Thank you. Mashed potatoes and gravy. Macaroni and cheese, because who doesn't need two starches, right? And, and southern-style green beans. So we, we were getting ready to have this meal. And if you've ever tried to cook in someone else's kitchen, you know it can sometimes be frustrating to find what you're looking for. If you've ever tried to go when you're on vacation, grocery shopping, it can sometimes be frustrating when you don't know where everything is within the grocery store. Now tackle on the fact that you don't speak the language and uh, you're completely in a different country. It was a very, very interesting experience, but we, we got through it. But the cooking part was a little bit of a disaster. Now, the mac and cheese, it's kind of hard to screw that up. We did that well. The uh, green beans, we were all good there. The problem we had was with the chicken. The chicken was a bit of a problem because the fryer that we were using, they had this little burner thing with a propane tank, and we, we had a big pot that we were frying out of the propane kept running out. And so this church, I don't know why they had all these propane tanks. It was a little concerning. But the, every, every few minutes, the gas would go out. And there would be somebody running in another propane tank. And so we'd hook up the other propane tank. And then that one would go out. And then they would appear with another one. Uh, it was really weird. None of them had any gas in it. But they, they just had tons of these things laying around. And so they're trying all these different things. And finally... After a while, we get going, and we're like, all right, the chicken is cooking. It's actually, you know, not raw meat now. This is going better. And then we completely ran out of oil. And so we had to send a couple of our people, you know, with armed guards to the grocery store to go and buy more oil. And so they come back with the more oil, and eventually, about an hour after we were supposed to serve the meal, we had dinner ready. You know what the one thing they thought was the most incredible out of that entire meal was? Any guesses? The gravy. They acted like 
They had never seen this stuff before, and they acted like we had poured it straight from a fountain out of heaven. I mean, they, they just, some of them were going back and, uh, you know, more, more gravy, and, and we're like, do you want more potatoes? And they're like, more gravy. I mean, that was what they wanted more of, and we're like, I'm not going to tell you what's in it. Uh, it's a little concerning. But they got so excited about the gravy, and we, we were just going through that process, and it was a very stressful experience. And then we had to go straight into a worship service. And I'll never forget this worship service because it was the most profound feeling I've ever had. Um, I actually had to preach for this worship service. And it was a complete failure. And there, you may have done a lot of really intimidating things in your life. There is nothing that I think compares to that feeling of being in front of a group of people and realizing that nothing's working. Talking in front of a group of people and realizing nothing's happening. And so I had that experience, and, and later that night, one of the guys on the team, he and I were talking. And uh, it's always good when you have something go poorly in a public forum to have somebody to sit down and debrief with you. Um, so if somebody wants to come up after the service today and debrief with me, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> But this guy, he sat down with me, and we kind of talked through what had happened. And, and we came to this conclusion, and this, the conclusion was this. The cooking and the sermon had the exact same problem. There didn't seem to be any power. kept running out, and there didn't seem to be any anointing. The oil kept running out. And there's something horrifying about that experience a feeling like you're all alone when you're in the midst of something. And that's where Joshua's passage that we read today, I think, speaks to us. Because all of us have situations that we're in, whether it's a family situation, whether it's a, a crazy situation in your workplace, whether it is something you're dealing with financially, whatever it is, there are moments that we reach when we go, how in the world am I supposed to be strong and courageous in the midst of this? How am I supposed to be strong and courageous in the midst of this, with the pressures I'm dealing with, with the turmoil I'm experiencing, with the problems in my neighborhood, the problems in my bank account? How am I supposed to be strong and courageous in the midst of this? And I believe that there are, are two things that we see in the, that theme of strong and courageous. Um, I believe that the command to be strong and courageous is, is simply to trust in two things. And that is this. God's power and God's presence. Be strong equals God's power. Be courageous equals recognizing God's presence. Recognizing that God is with us. And Joshua, if, you, if you're familiar with the story of Joshua, we've been diving into it for the past couple of weeks. Joshua had to have felt a little all of alone because Moses had been leading these people for 40 years all through the wilderness. He was the one that had led them out of slavery in Egypt. And all of a sudden, he's passed away and Joshua finds himself in charge. And the message to Joshua, be strong, be courageous. And so... As we jump into, we're going to kind of look at three uh, really cool passages within the book of Joshua and look at what they say 
to us about how to face difficult circumstances, how to face things where it seems hard to be strong and courageous. And so the first one we're going to look at is the Battle of Jericho. Uh, Last week, Tim brought us right to the edge of Jericho. He brought us right to that point where the Israelites were getting ready to take Jericho. And there are, it's a really cool story. Uh, If you grew up in church, you probably remember this as one of the Sunday school stories. Um, It's just this fascinating story in which the battle plan was this. March around the city one time, do that again the next day, keep doing that, do that for six days, and then on the seventh day you're going to walk around seven times, and then you're going to blow trumpets, and the walls are going to come down, and you're going to win the battle. Uh, That was essentially the battle plan that the Lord gave to Israel. And that's what they did, and it happened just as God promised it would. Here's the incredible thing. At the beginning of chapter 6, starting in verse 2, we're going to read just the instructions that God gives. And and we're just going to look at part of verse 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times, and the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. And here's the part we want to pull out. Before they even go into the battle, this is just the battle plan. Before they even go into the battle, these are the words that God says to Joshua. See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. The battle has not been fought yet. They have not done anything that he commanded them to do yet. And basically what the Lord says is, I have already delivered it into your hands. I have already done it. It is a victory that is promised. And sometimes in the midst of our challenges, in the midst of life's challenges, the thing that we need to do is see the victory. We need to see the victory before it even happens. We need to see that God is going to be faithful before we even take that step of putting our trust in God. Before we even approach a situation, we have to realize when God has already promised the victory. See the victory. And our nature is to focus on what we cannot do instead of focusing on the one that is with us. And that is, that is part of the message that just comes up over and over again. Be strong and be courageous. It's that message of even in the midst of this challenge, see, I have delivered you. See, I have the victory. See the victory. Now, Joshua 10 jumps to another pretty incredible tale of strength. This is a a wild story. Uh, It defies logic. It defies science. And uh, it's one of the most unique stories in all of Scripture. But in Joshua 10, they're in the midst of a battle. And the, the battle is going on. And Joshua prays that the sun would stop. Now, we, we know nowadays that it's actually the earth that stopped, that we, they didn't know about all that back then. But Joshua prayed that the sun would stop, and the sun stopped, and the day went by completely, and they were able to keep fighting this battle and win the war. And so we're going to pick up in Joshua 10, verses 12 through 14. 
And it says, On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. We're going to go with that. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jasher. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Now, by this point, Joshua is pretty convinced that God is on their side. They've already crossed the Jordan where God parted the Jordan. He had that experience Tim talked about last week where uh, he was face-to-face with the commander of the Lord's army, and he said, take off your sandals for your own holy ground. He's experienced Jericho. He's experienced that point of the walls coming down after those crazy instructions. They fought a couple of other battles. They've won those. And and then they're sitting there, and, and Joshua's starting to get it. He's starting to realize this command, be strong, be courageous, is all about the fact that God has the power and God is present. And so he prays one of the boldest prayers in all of Scripture, and God listens to it because of the boldness in which he prayed it. And he asks that the sun would be still. And it says there at the end that they could see surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. And sometimes when we face a tough situation, not only do we have to see the victory that has been promised, but we also have to surrender the victory. Now, that sounds kind of counterintuitive. That sounds like something that's a little confusing, a little backwards. But sometimes in the midst of a battle, we have to surrender the victory. And this is what I mean by that. We often say things uh, when we're faced with tough situations, uh, maybe a medical condition, and, and this is one of the things that, that just kind of cracks me up about the way that we talk about prayer. But we'll say things like, they've done all they can do. All we can do now is pray. All we can do now is pray. And I believe what God calls us to do is, is not to say all we can do now is pray, but to begin with, we get to pray. We get to surrender to God in the midst of this difficult situation. Instead of taking hold of it on our own, something that might seem insurmountable and impossible for us, we get to surrender it to God. We surrender the victory. And some of us here today may have difficult things that we're facing, impossible things that are on our hearts. And in order to experience strength and courage, it's going to take us surrendering to God a little bit. If we're going to see the victory come true, we're going to have to surrender. We're going to have to stop trying to do it on our own and surrender to God. Now, there's a reason the experience I talked about earlier from Brazil stands out to me so much um, and still stands out to me because it's, it was in complete, stark contrast to something I experienced about five days earlier that week. We got off the plane from... Uh, Atlanta to Sao Paulo, and we were in the Sao Paulo airport, and different mission organizations, they have different approaches. Some of them will give you a well-laid-out itinerary of what you're going to do while you're there. Uh, Brazilians don't operate that way, and so they essentially said to us, when you get here, don't worry. When you get here, everything will be taken care of, and everything will fall into place and make sense. So we said, okay, cool. So we went on this trip 
And the very first day, we flew through the night from Atlanta to Sao Paulo, and we were there completely exhausted, completely tired. I don't sleep well on planes. And they pick us up in the airport. We ride seemingly forever because Sao Paulo is a huge city to the church. And we get to the church, and they go over a little orientation of everything that we're going to be doing that week. And the first thing they said was this. We have a worship service tonight. We're like, okay, good. We can, we can worship with you. Uh, we have, this was on a Saturday. We have church tomorrow morning, and then we have another worship service tomorrow night. And we said, that, that's great. That sounds awesome. And they said, well, how do you want us to be a part of it? And they said, well, one of you is going to preach for uh, the service tonight. Um, and then we're, we'll preach tomorrow morning, but then y'all will preach again tomorrow night. And I had uh, this really interesting group. It was an artist-based group. So it was a lot of painters and musicians and creative types. And so they all essentially turned to me and said, sounds like you're preaching twice in the next two days. <laughs> and so I, I'm like, I don't know what to preach on. And so I found myself completely surrendering the whole situation to God. I'm like, I don't speak the language. I'm going to be talking through a translator. Um, it's always fun when you preach through a translator and you say one sentence and then they spout off like 15. I don't know what they add, but it works well because um, the people seem to be really into it. But I preached two times and it was the most bizarre thing. There were people coming up to me talking about how inspirational the words were. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I wrote this out on a notebook right before I had to do it. I didn't have any time to prepare. But what I did do was I surrendered. What I did do was I said, this isn't anything I can do on my own. This is something I have to surrender to God. If I don't surrender this to God, nothing good is going to happen here. And so I surrendered. And the encouragement was confirmation that it was right on point and what God wanted for this church and for our team. And I, I say that not to, to boost the fact that I preached a couple of good sermons in Portuguese. Um, I say that to say that when we get to that point of surrendering the victory and realizing that the victory doesn't rest in our own hands, it rests in the hands of someone more powerful than us who is present with us, that is when God can do truly incredible things. And I miss that because a few days later, I got up and I tried to do it by myself. And it fell flat. There's a uh, seldom preached on account in Joshua 14 that we're going to look at very briefly this morning. Uh, Joshua and Caleb in uh, the book of Numbers, they were two spies. This was before the wandering around in the desert of the Israelites. There were two spies that were sent by Moses into the promised land, along with 10 others. There were 12 of them total. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that came back with a positive report. The other 10 said, there's no way we can do this. There's no way we can do this. Joshua and Caleb come back and say, with God's help, we can do this. They saw the victory before it was even there. And because of their faith, they were the only two out of that entire generation that were rewarded with the opportunity to go into the promised land. The rest of them wandered around for 40 years. That generation died off. And it was left to Joshua and Caleb as the only two who got to go in. And so the book of Joshua has been going along. And Caleb finally gets his moment in the sun. In which he is able to get 
his part of the promised land that had been promised to him. And so we're going to pick up in chapter 14, verse 10 and 11, just two verses. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. And I love this part. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. And here is the question I have when I read this. How does an 85-year-old man say that he is just as strong as he was 45 years earlier, more than half his life earlier? I believe it's because he had a lifetime of realizing it wasn't about his own strength. That strength wasn't about anything he could do on his own. It was all about recognizing that God's power was his strength and God's presence was there to give him courage. And sometimes we have to wait for the victory. Sometimes we have to stay around for the victory. And some of us, we get impatient. And when we get impatient, we try to take things into our own hands. But it may be that God's calling us to see that there's a victory ahead, to surrender that victory to the Lord, and to stay patient for God to do something. So how do we experience strength and courage? How do we experience God's power and God's presence? Well, one way we're going to talk about next week, so you have to come back for that. But the other is quite simply this. We pray. We take time to surrender. We take time to see that the victory belongs not in our own hands, not in what we can do. We pray and we surrender. And so this morning, I encourage you, no matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter what battle you are in the midst of, I encourage you to surrender that to God today. Because we have a God who, in the midst of difficult circumstances, calls us to see that he's in control, to surrender our ambition to his will, and to stay patient to see God bring it through. You may feel a lack of God's presence in your life. You may feel a lack of God's power in your life. And my guess is the reason that you may feel that is because you're trying to do it on your own. So the question this morning is simple. Where are you acting alone? Where are you trying to take control in situations only God can bring to victory? The altar is open as we close out our service. Let's pray. Lord, you are an awesome God. You are a God that is full of power, full of strength, and you are ever-present with us. You will not forsake us. And so, Lord, I ask that this morning where we are trying to act alone, we would surrender to you. That we, we wouldn't put up a fight anymore, but we would surrender to you. 
Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our frustrations, in the midst of our impossible circumstances, that you are faithful. And you have promised that for those of us that we will not be forsaken if we belong to you. Our Lord Jesus, when he walked this earth, he said to his disciples, in this world you will have great trouble, but take heart. He said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so this morning, so many of us need to hear that. We need to hear that, yes, in this world we will have great trouble, but the victory belongs to our risen Savior. The victory belongs to the Lord. Help us to see the victory. Help us to surrender to you. And help us to stay, to see your strength and courage manifest themselves in our lives.